have a lot to talk to you about today, and hopefully we can get out of here within the hour. Um, some sarcasm intended. Um, there is a story I wanted to share with you years ago. Uh, we were moving into a, a new house, and, and the movers were unloading the trailer, and, and I was standing out in the front yard. And uh, this little boy lived next door, was riding his big wheel. This was really kind of bef- before computers, where kids went out in the yard and they played, you know, that kind of stuff. But he was riding around on his big wheel, and he was like kind of showing off. And he rode down the sidewalk, and he stopped right by me. And I said, hey, young man, how are you today? He said, fine. And I said, you're pretty good on that big wheel. He said, yes, I am. And I said, can, can you do tricks? And he said, sure can. And he did a figure eight, and then he came right back and stopped right at my feet again. And I said, that, that was pretty good. I said, let me ask you this. Can you back it up? He said, sure can. So he started pedaling it backwards. That's not easy to do. Pedaled it backwards into a figure eight, came right back and stopped at my feet again. And I said, that's pretty good right there. That's good stuff. He said, yes, sir. And he says, so who are you? And I said, well, I'm the new preacher at the, at the church. And he says, oh, well, let me hear you preach. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's, it's only fair. I asked him to do his thing, show me his craft. So, so I started thinking about some stuff that I had been talking about the last couple of weeks. And, and so I gave him a little bit of a little sermon. And afterwards, he, he uh, nodded his head and he says, not bad, not bad. And then he says, can you back it up? Mm. That's the title this morning, is can you back it up? This is a a tough topic because some people don't understand it. Some people don't get it. So I'm going to do my best to, to paint a picture Um, that might be able to connect with you at some level. Let me ask you this. Um, I I stole your pen so I can do this. If you were to do an interview of me, and in the interview, your, your goal was to determine whether or not I really love my wife, what sort of questions would you ask me in the interview that would help you to ascertain whether or not I loved my wife? Go. Do I help around the house? Service projects, that kind of thing, right? We'll say service projects. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a very good question. Anybody else? All right. Do I tell her I love her? And there was another one over here. Do I enjoy her company? Do I listen? Oh, my. You didn't say, do I hear her? You said, do I listen to her? Um, Good question. What's that? Selective hearing, yes. Yeah, I graduated with that degree. (laughs) Any others? What's that? Do I mow the grass? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any other questions? What, what would you ask to find out if I really love my wife? 
Do I go to church with her? Do I like her? Liking and loving is different. Do I support her? Good question. Oh, goodness. Do I hold her hand? How about do I show PDA? Public displays of affection, right? Do I PDA? Do I trust her? Oh, that's awesome. How about from the teenagers? Can you think of anything? When you guys are dating somebody, how do you do, how do you know that you guys are like in a relationship and that you like each other? Oh, I guess you are. <laughs> okay, we need to go back to that class. All right. So anyway, um, apart from that, how do you? If I were to interview you to determine how much you love God, what kinds of questions would I ask you to determine how much you love him? How much do I pray? Well, I'm going to use the same questions. So the first one is, do I serve? Do I help? If that is a fair question to ask, if you love God... Is it fair for me to ask you, do you do service? Do you work around the church? Do you help his kingdom? Do you go to the nursing homes? Do you go to the prisons? Do you lead uh, Sunday school classes? Do you help with Bible school? Uh, Do you do all these things? Because that would surely indicate whether or not you love God, right? How How about this? Do you ever say to God, I love you? Do you ever say openly in front of everybody else, I love the Lord? Do you do those things? That's a good indicator, right? But remember, can you back it up? A third one is, uh, do you enjoy his company? And, And we could even put, how about frequency? Do you enjoy God's company? And if you do, how long, how often and how long do you spend in his company? How committed are you to spending time with God? Because that's a good indicator of how much you love him, right? Do you listen to him? Do you listen to God? Well, does God talk to you? Through the scriptures, through your prayers, through your journaling, through, through sermons or through other means, does God talk to you? And when he talks, do you listen? Isn't that a good indicator? Do you like him? Do you like God? Or are you still mad at him because of something that didn't happen the way you wanted to a few years ago? Or because he made you move or or change jobs when you didn't want to? Or he made you go to a school you didn't want to go to? Or he made you uh, give up friends because he wanted you to be over here with some new friends? Uh, Do you really like God? And are you content with the things that he's done for you? And in you. Um, I like this one. Do you support God? If somebody says, well, I can't stand God because I lost a, I lost a child to some kind of a, an illness. Do you support God? Do you say, well, God surely isn't to blame. Do you defend him? Do you support him? Do you, um, do you forgive him? That one's a little bit harder. Do you really have to forgive God? Sometimes you do. 
Because sometimes God answers no. Sometimes he says, no, I'm not going to give you this, even though you've prayed for this for two weeks, because I know what's best for you, and I'm not going to do that. Your answer is no. Some would say, well, God never says no. Well, that's not true. Peter said to Jesus, get away from me. Stay away from me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And what did Jesus say? No, I'm going to stay with you. I'm not leaving you. So do you forgive God? Do you ever uh, display PDA with God? Now, that could look differently. That could be in worship setting like this, and we're singing hymns of praise. Do you lift your hands? Do you make it very obvious, I love the Lord? Do you sing as loud as you can? Do you, do you give as much as you can? Do you really uh, do the things that you know what God would be pleased with? Because that's your response to his love for you. The other one is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? You see, the, the, the topic today, the theme is, can you back it up? But the topic is, do you really love God? Do you really love him? And how do you know? I, I saw a, a comment that Francis Chan uh, had made. It was a title of one of his sermons, actually. The, the topic said this, every one of us are as close to the Lord as we want to be. Every one of us are as close as we want to be. You see, the premise behind that, I believe, is, is that if you wanted to be closer, you would already be doing the things to get closer. If you don't want to be closer, then you're going to do the things that are going to hinder your walk with him and hinder your relationship with him. So if you don't want to be closer to him, I guarantee you're going to be successful at that. Every one of us are as close to God as we want to be. And, and so I, I hear that, and I, my first thought was, but I'm not as close as I want to be. And the reality is, yeah, I am, because otherwise I would have been doing things differently up to now. You're, you're familiar with these three passages, and I'm going to use these because they're a little bit different. They have a little bit of a conflict in them, a little bit of a contrast. And then we're going to go back to Deuteronomy to kind of make sense of this. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, um, what is the greatest commandment in the law? The great, greatest commandment in the book, in the Bible. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, same questions asked. Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now we have four criteria. Luke goes and, re I think it was Luke 12, I didn't write down the reference, but Luke says basically the same thing. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Love him with all of that. That is what you are commanded. Now then I get hang up, hung up on that word commanded. How is it possible that God can command us to love him and it not be something uh, derogatory? Does God have the authority to say, I command you to love me? How do we make sense of that? Well, let's go back to Deuteronomy 6 for just a moment. And before, as you're turning to go back there, if you're, if you're not there already, let me, let me assert insert this. 
In our culture, we like to attribute love with emotions. And so when we say, I love something, we're basically saying something makes me feel a particular way that I enjoy. And so I love it even more. And my love can increase for that thing that I, I like and enjoy so much. And, and it's, the focus is all on the emotions, right? In, in the Old Testament concept of love, it wasn't about emotions. Emotions is a byproduct of a love that has already begun in us. You see, love is a decision. It's a choice. And, and in the Old Testament concept of love, it began with the decision, I'm going to love this. And as a result, I'm going to commit myself to it. And as a byproduct of that commitment, that's going to uh, eventually affect my emotions. So I'm not loving God because it makes me feel a certain way. I'm loving God because that's the right thing to do. Because I, I want to do this because of everything God has done for me. I want to do this. So we have to kind of re-dissect this and, and put it all back together so it makes sense to us. Love is a decision that can affect your emotions eventually. But here's the thing I've discovered, and this is where it really starts to bother me in all of my experience of being a pastor and working with people. Because there really are two different types of people. There are thinkers and there are feelers, right? And I'm definitely a feeler. I feel things. But sometimes feeling things can get you off track. It can get you down the wrong path because you can't go on feelings alone. Some mornings I get up and I don't feel like a Christian. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like putting together a sermon. I don't feel like worshiping. But I do it anyway, even though I don't feel like it. So I can't trust my feelings all the time. But at the same time, I can't trust my intellect all the time. Because if I'm always thinking black and white, no gray, and no emotion, then I might miss some of the very unique tenderness of God that certainly dwells in him. And I may completely miss all of that. And there are some people that, that see these types of emotions as, as a negative. You might be one of those people who thinks, you know, I'm not about emotions. I, I avoid emotions at all costs. But that's not a true statement. Did you know in the book of Psalms, you can find over 40 different emotions that, Paul, that uh, David expresses through his songs? 40 different emotions. So people who say, well, I'm not an emotional person. I say, really? You never get angry? You never get disappointed. You never get frustrated. You never, you never get tired. You see, what we're talking about is we're talking about some people avoid what they construe are the negative emotions. Basically, among guys, one of them is, is crying. I've, I've known a lot of guys in my life that they see crying as a huge negative, a sign of weakness, an emotion that needs to be avoided at all cost. And that's a shame because we have a God who cries. And if you eliminate that aspect of your emotional life, then you're going to miss that aspect of who God is and you're never going to be able to connect with him on that deep level. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five, at the funeral of Lazarus. He wept when he was getting on his camel, getting ready to walk into the, the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. 
He wept because of the lack of faith of the people of Israel. Yeah, God weeps. Jesus weeps. We weep. But God has so many levels to him and so many tears to him, and he is the embodiment of emotions. And if we check the emotions at the door, then we're going to miss out on a big portion of who God is. So let's go back to Deuteronomy 6. I'm getting off on a tangent here. It says in the very beginning, These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So it clearly says in Deuteronomy, this is a command that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? This is a commandment. Now, why is it that God can command this and this not be a negative? Well, because of what it says in verse 2, so that, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you. And so you may enjoy long life. If you choose to love the Lord, it will be better for your long life. It will be better for your health, better for your mental health. It'll be better for your children and your grandchildren. It'll be better for you in the workplace. It'll be better for you in every aspect of your life. We cannot look at the love of God in a linear progression. It has to be seen as a systemic progression. The love of God affects your marriage. It affects your workplace. It affects your giving. It, it affects your friendships. It affects the way you watch sports. It affects everything in your life if you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God commanded us, if you want to be blessed in this world, if you want to live a fruitful life and a long life and be just overwhelmed with grace, love, and protection, then you will commit yourself to loving God. That is the commandment. In other words, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you can't depend on the blessings that follow. You may still find one. Even a blind squirrel can find one acorn, right? You might still accidentally come across one. But to really live a blessed life, an abundant life, it has to come with a commitment to loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm regaining my breath here. Hold on a minute. With half them when you get old. No, actually, I'm thinking about what I'm supposed to say next. Let's skip ahead to, uh, to verse um, 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Our, our, our English translations to the Bible oftentimes have um, errors. Or I'll just, we won't call them an error because that implies it's completely bad. Well, let's just call it a, a poor translation. In some cases, there are poor translations. Some people say, well, that's why I'm a King James type of person. Well, there's poor translations in the King James as well. But in this particular verse, there is a key uh, misrepresentation. Love all of the Lord, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, in the Old Testament, nobody ever talked about the heart. That came in the New Testament. For us, when we talk about love, we associate love with our hearts, not the blood pumping muscle, but the symbolism that represents our heart. 
In the Old Testament, they never talked about your blood pumping muscle. That was irrelevant. What they connected their emotions to in the Old Testament was actually your kidneys. Now, the kidneys have one vital uh, uh, purpose that I believe fits into this context. Your kidneys purify the blood. Your kidneys, in a symbolic sense, in a metaphorical sense, purifies your emotions. So when you say, I love someone in the Old Testament, you're basically saying, I love, my, I love this person with all that I am, all that I have, with complete and total purity, nothing uh, hindering my capacity to love with everything that I have to give. You see, this word that's translated in the English as heart actually means, it encapsulates your mental capacity Everything about you mentally, it encapsulates everything about you emotionally and everything about your will or your desire. So in the Old Testament to say I love, you're saying I love with all of my mind, with all of my emotions and all of my capacity to have a desire or a will of my own free choosing. That was all wrapped up into that one word, heart. The second word was soul, which represents your entire life, your entire existence, your entire being. And then the third word was the word for strength, which means all of your abundance and all of your might. You see, this particular verse in the Hebrew was not to differentiate those who are emotional feelers and those who are thinkers. It's supposed to give us the impression that loving God encapsulates absolutely every aspect of your being and your thinking and your doing. It is absolutely 100% commitment of yourself to the person that you choose to love. And so I ask the question uh, implicitly, you don't have to respond, but do you love the Lord? You probably have said it before, but do you really love him with every aspect of your being and existence? Do you love him that much? And if you say yes, my follow-up question is, can you back it up? Because here's, here's my problem with all of this. And I get, I get upset about this because I fail all the time in this regard, and I know that you must too. We have a world around us who hates the church and despises the church because of the mistakes we make, because of the hypocrisy that we put on display for them. And they want to hope in God. They want to put their trust in God. But when they see us, we mess it all up for them. And, and, and one of the things we do is we say, I love God, when we really don't act like it. We say that I belong to him, I'm a child of his, I'm a follower of Christ, but we don't act like it. We don't love each other, we don't uh, support each other, we don't say things to encourage, we don't trust people. And in many cases, we don't like people. So how are they going to come to believe in God when we misrepresent him on a regular, ongoing basis. You see, it is my goal to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
but I fail all the time. Because of this little phrase, this little word called selfishness. And when I get to where I'm repenting and confessing in my own devotional life, the things I write are basically this. I am so sorry that I don't love you with my whole heart all the time. Whenever I withdraw part of my heart and part of my desires and emotions, that's when I set myself for a failure. When I start saying, God, I I love you, but I don't want you in my life right now. I'm going to go over here and do these things that you don't approve of then that sets me up for failure. And that happens more frequently than I would ever care to admit to you. But I'm sure that it happens in your life equally as much, if not more. In James 4.8, this is an interesting verse. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. But what is that contingent upon? You coming to God. We're a people that like God to do all of the work. I want his blessings. I want his involvement in my life. I want him to give me answers to my questions and give me suggestions as to who I should date, what job I should take, how much I should spend on this or that. But but really, I want him to come to me and give me this without me actually doing any work for it. So God, if you would do that, just come to me and fix things. That would be awesome. But he don't play that game. He wants you to take the first step. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, this is really cool stuff too. It says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that, so that you may love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and, with, and it says, and live. So in order to love God to this capacity, he has to circumcise your heart. He has to just clip off the dead spots of your heart and and help it to become a vital part of your your essence. Maybe this makes better sense. And I say this particularly because of the intellect versus the spiritual component that exists in the church. Um, That always just amazes me. We could do a particular song and the feelers are going to say, wow, that was so awesome. I love that song. It really connected with me. And the thinkers are like, that was the worst song I've ever heard. And then we'll do a song for the thinkers about theology and all this kind of stuff. And they'll be like, yes, hallelujah. And and the feelers will be like, yawn, you know. So how do we come together and how do we recognize that both are relevant You might remember uh, the woman at the well. I reference her all the time, and I will continue to do that until we all get it. But, uh, But Jesus said to her, there is coming a time when you will worship in spirit and truth, with heart and mind, with your intellect and your emotions. There is coming a time when that's going to happen. But is it going to happen on this side of death? On this side of heaven? In Psalm 51, 16 to 17, it says this, uh, David's writing this, You do not delight in sacrifices, otherwise I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in my burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, this you will not despise. So, so here's the, the premise of that, if you, would, if you would indulge me. 
is that, yeah, God, he, he wants your mind. He wants your intellect. But if he could get your heart, he's going to get your intellect. It's possible to have your intellect and your heart be way over here. If he has your heart first, everything else falls into place. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think Paige has to worry about me um, wanting things that this world offers more than her. Because I try to make it very clear to her that she's got my heart. And because she has my heart, she's got everything else that I have to give. And I hope and trust that, or hope and pray that every night she trusts that she has nothing to worry about, as long as she has my heart. And the reason she has it is because I made a conscious decision to give it to her and to trust her with it. She has all of my emotions as well. I'm completely in. I'm not withholding anything at all. She's got the whole shebang. She knows that she can refund it at any given time, but I trust her that she won't do that because I trust that she's given me her whole heart. And that's how this all works. But how about God? Have you really given him your whole heart? In, in John chapter 21, this will just be my closing. I've already gone way over time, but I hope I haven't been boring you. I hope God's not been boring. I hope he's still talking to you. But in John 21, 15 through 18, this is after a resurrection. Jesus comes back, and he's going to restore his beloved disciple, Peter. Not the beloved, that was John, but, but, but Peter, who denied him three times. And it says in John 21, 15, when they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of these? Is it a fair question to ask if somebody loves you? Is it a fair question that God would ask us, do you love me? Absolutely, it's fair. And so he replies, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you, that you're God. You're the son of God. You, you know how I feel about you. And yet that wasn't good enough. I want to hear you say it. But doesn't it kind of scare you a little bit that, that God would say, Are you, do you really love me? Because that insinuates that I don't see a lot of evidence in it. I have questions about your love for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't even ask the question. And Peter says, you know I love you. So Jesus says, and feed my lambs. A second time, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Again, very hurtful. God, or Jesus, you know I love you. In spite of the three denials and the rooster crowing thing, I love you. You know that. But still hurtful. The third time he says, Simon, do you truly love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the third time, do you love me? I'm just curious, if God was here today, if Jesus were walking among us right now and he were to ask you, do you love me? Would you be offended by it? And secondly, how would you respond? He knows the answer. You can confuse some of us, but he knows the answer. 
Uh, Francis Chan, in one of his sermons, he said something like this. He says, what is your goal in life? Is it to, to fool everybody in the church and just barely cross the finish line into heaven and then wipe your brow and say, I did it. I fooled everybody. Is that your goal? Or do you want to go running through the finish line right into the arms of Christ where he whips you up off the ground, hugs you and embraces you and says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Which do you prefer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will forgive us for not loving you with our whole hearts all the time. I pray that you will help us to rethink this relationship with you and to rethink the commitment level that we have made to you. And I pray, Lord, when your grace comes and your forgiveness comes to us, that we will be replenished and strengthened to to run the race a little bit differently from now on. I pray that you will pour your spirit into all of us, Lord, and show us areas of our lives that need to be pruned and, and strengthened and tightened up. Lord, we do love you. But help us to show you how much and back it up. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing our closing, which will be uh, Wayne's, Wayne's recommendation. Good recommendation. Um, I need a hymnal. I don't have one. Can I have yours? What number is it? I was hoping more of you knew that one. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. And welcome to Laura. 
Uh, we, we pray that your wedding goes.